0: John What a scream! What a screamer!
1: Arsenal proved that the old adage is still true. If you score four goals at home against the fifth-place side from the Ukrainian division, you're going to win the game. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Uh, That's right. You only have to score four if you're going to let in two. In fact, you only have to score three. Even three goals would have done it. But I kid because actually it was a dominant opening performance uh, at home against, let's admit it, not the greatest Vorskla side you've ever seen. What is the best Vorskla side you've ever seen? Maybe we'll dig into that later in the podcast. We're going to do a summary, a review of the game. Uh, We are going to do a preview of Everton. Uh, We are going to have Tim joining down the line. But now we start with Clive. He's on Twitter at Clive P A F C. Hello, Clive. I wasn't hello, ready for it. He hello, thought I'd hello, go Paul hello. first. I, I tripped you up. You had me on mute. And Paul, yep, he's here. He's on he's on Twitter pausing in my pants, and I bet he's even ready to say hello. Hello, pause. Woohoo! Woohoo, indeed. Uh so I will start with you, Paul. Simple question. Yes. Vorskla bad yeah. opponent or the worst
2: opponent? So I've been researching FC foreskin pullover for some time. Oh for fuck's and, sake. And uh yeah, they're not very good. Um I was trying to work out beforehand if they've put out a really strong side or a really <laughs> weak side. It was and? not apparent to me which one it was.
1: Yeah, it was look it wasn't apparent to me either, but l- let's let's uh leave the kidding aside for a second. I think um there's a lot of positives to be taken out of this game, but before we get to the positives, of course we have to get to my uh, insane rant that I went on before the game. I'll level with you. When I saw the lineup, I wanted to pull my hair out. Uh, and, you know, once you hit the age I'm at, you shouldn't start pulling your hair out because there's no guarantee it's going to come back. Paul, Aubameyang starts, Torreira starts, um, uh, Socrates starts, Nacho Monreal starts. Not that the other players aren't important, but these are guys who, you know, we expect to be regular starters, in Torreira's case, hopefully soon to be a regular starter, against opposition that our U23s probably could beat. Um, you know, we do know from watching other teams do it for years that playing first-team players on Thursday in the Europa League is a recipe for damaging your, your league campaign. So am I overthinking this? I mean, I'm not saying he didn't rotate, but did I, did I overthink it? I mean, how, what's your feeling about using key players in a game like this?
2: So, is it okay to quote your WhatsApp comment? From yeah,
1: you can, me. but but I, I before you do it, I just want to say this: I tend to be a little more hair trigger incendiary on the old WhatsApp because I know I'm <laughs> really? not going to get any blowback from it. But but fire away,
2: out me! I can't fine. slide slide a paper between your WhatsApp and your Twitter. To be honest, Fair. well, maybe I can these days. What the hell is Emery playing out with that lineup? Jesus. I think that was in deference to myself. It, it meant to um, be Jeebus,
1: but you know. Yeah, and then so I was going to do a, a Simpsons gift, but I didn't.
2: <laughs> I think I replied, "Not too surprising, is it?" Um, I I was, I think I was okay with it. I I, I could guess where you might have problems with it, but if you play, he's at a point in his Arsenal career, Emery, and this team is at a point where you still need positives and a positive vibe and developing the art. Arsenal, uh, Emery Ball way of playing, and you need some mix of first team and uh, squad and youth players and the youth, especially in the first game, the youth probably coming more from the bench than starting. Um, And you can rationalize, I think, every player on the pitch as to why they're there. I I didn't have... So I'll I'll bounce it back to you. Who, Who were your biggest concerns as to why they were playing and maybe Clive and I can tell you why we think it made sense yeah, for them fair. to play or not no I think yeah. it's fair
1: because obviously I'd prefer to be talking and listening so um I think look I maybe I'm a little scarred just from years of Arsenal having no luck with fitness you know and injuries derailing our season and to be honest I mean there were a couple moments early in the game where it looked like Torreira had been murdered uh but you know I do think that when you have a team where your key players like Socrates, like Aubameyang, like Mkhitaryan, like Nacho Monreal, are approaching 30 or on the wrong side of 30, you have to manage them. And one of the advantages of having these easy group stage competition um, Europa League opponents, put all those words in the order they belong, um, is that you can afford to not just rotate, but basically give those players the day off, the first team players just completely the day off. Now, if there's some players who need... Sharpness and fitness, fine, get him in there for for sixty minutes, but I do think that you know Emory hasn't managed in the Premier League. he doesn't know what it's going to be like when you get to December, and there's a game not every four days but every other day um yeah. and you know you you do start to see how attritional this can be, and we have seen it. We have seen good teams derailed by taking the Europa League seriously at the group stage, so. Because I think we could have right. beaten this opposition with you 23-caliber players, and maybe I'm wrong about that, but we saw us basically get by that way last season. I just, I, I would prefer to have a fit and firing and rested and healthy and happy Aubameyang and Socrates and Nacho and McTarian and Torreira for Everton on Sunday and let the chips fall where they may with Vorsco tonight. That That's it. Okay. I mean, that's probably more than okay. needed. Yeah.
2: So my quick riposte would be, First of all, you've got to get your momentum going. Uh, I'm not convinced under-23s would have beaten these guys um, because it wouldn't have been a pure under-23 side who played together, and that's the key piece here. I mean, we saw for the best part of 40 minutes a team looking crap uh, despite plenty of talent in there uh, because none of these plays players had really particularly played up alongside each other, and these were senior players. So it takes a while to get a rhythm and a momentum going, which is always the challenge with the Europa League. Um, Obama Yang, uh, you could say, needed to play. and needed to play as a centre-forward and needed a couple of goals. And we were pretty crap until that counter-attack where he, he buried it in the back of the net. And after that, he started looking like Thierry Henry, pinging it off the post, Um Getting his second goal a little later on, he started, start, started to look like class. He started, to have fun, started having fun and looking like he was having fun, which that wasn't the impression he left after the last league game. So I think that's a win. Um, Mkhitaryan didn't play last time out. Uh, he I think he stayed on for the 90 minutes, didn't he? So he had a really long run. You can look at that either way. But assuming we're looking at fitness data, that means our belief in Mkhitaryan is he's kind of he's hitting cruising speed in terms of fitness. So I kind of like that. Socrates has is basically the stamp of uh, approval on our defense at the moment. And I'm enjoying his last couple of games for us um, as a, he wasn't overly tested. He wasn't overly worked out. Um, yes to Terrera, but he needs the games, the minutes and the starts. So I don't really have a problem with that. And he didn't play the full 90. Monreal is the one thing you'd question, but we don't have another left back. Uh, our other left back at the moment is probably Licksteiner who's playing as right back. So uh, Monreal was the one position where you say, geez, we have no left backs. He's it. And he's playing all games. Uh, but hopefully, again, he wasn't too tested in this. So I think the thing to do was to get up, get ahead, get a few goals, and then play within ourselves so that nobody got too stressed out. And I think largely that's what we did. The idea was to get ahead. I was a little surprised with the subs. I don't know why it wasn't Eddie and... Um, Smith Rowe. What's his face? Smith Rowe who came on. That was my yeah. one surprise.
1: Well, look, I, we're at the eight-minute mark. And I think that's the appropriate time to bring Clive into the podcast. So let's do that now. Um, hi, Clive.
3: Hello. Hey stop
1: man. using that button. Stop using <laughs>
3: okay, the button. I, okay, I'll stop using it.
1: <sighs> All right. Um, so do, do you even want to weigh in on my inane ramblings? Yeah, about, yeah. Okay, weigh wait, wait, wait in on it. It won't take long,
3: right? Um, <laughs> to do away with me, to dismiss me, hand, well, hand wave me. Well, it, well he, he made eight changes. Right? Simple as that. He made eight changes the I last wanted him game. to make 11. Yeah, and and he would have probably played Coliseum if he was fit. He would have probably played Manfred Panos if he was fit. He's got a groin injury. That's why Socrates played. And, and he has to have his insurance policy at centre-forward. Right, he has to have the one man. So think about these games in a string of three. So we've got Everton on Sunday. So Everton on Sunday, we, we more or less will see Aubameyang and Lacazette start again. And what will happen on against Brentford, we'll probably see Lacazette start up front with maybe Eddie playing more minutes. And we'll probably see Mustafi play the, the centre half rather than... Socrates, do you see what I mean? So well, we're going to have of to, right? Because
1: we can't at this stage of the season be playing like Socrates and and Yang Thursday, Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday. At this
3: point, it'd be, it'd be yeah, crazy. Exactly. So Mustafi will take it next week, right? So, um, so it's just, it's, I think it's quite clever use of the of the squad. Right? It's all he can do. If Maitland Niles would have been there, he might have played left back, but he's not there. And so, Monreal's the one risk at the moment, but that team was too good for a young kid to play there. And, he, and, he, and there was no young kids on the bench from a defensive point of view, only Bellerin. So, it shows you where we're weak as a, as a club. We haven't got that, you know, youth defender. And when we talk under-23s, we're really, we're really talking 18-year-olds now.
4: Yeah, that's fair yeah, that's, that's under twenty three
3: football, right? It's not like there's 21-year-olds running around. And all that heavyweight squad we got rid of last January you know, the people that played last year, like you know, Giroux and and Walcott and all those you know, and Wilshire, all those heavyweight, heavy earners, a lot of them have gone now, right? So I, I think it made sense. I, I I don't think there's any much more you could have done
1: to Okay, and, and the only thing I will say, uh opposing my original insane view is that we are still kind of in the lab, right? We're we're still baking. We're still in the oven. We're still in whatever place where things get made that aren't made yet. And Um, this is a chance for the manager to see a couple combinations he might want to have a look at, continue to drill the players on his new system. I mean, we're almost in a preseason state to some extent because we still have players trying to learn their roles under this coach, and the coach is still trying to learn the players. So if he gets some of that in a game that's fairly low risk and he can make some observations that help him and help the players going forward, then that's certainly valuable. So good enough. Clive, I'll stick with you. Um, I do want to touch on something that has... We, I think we kind of proposed it earlier in previous pods, and it, it sort of seems true right now, and I think it is one of the big issues for Emery going forward. I thought both Mkhitaryan and Awobi looked really good in this game. And by the way, I'm going to put a caveat up that we don't have to use again, so none of us have to say this after this. It's very hard to know how much to take from these kind of games. We understand that. Yeah. This is a very, very poor level of opposition, and it may just be that anything you try would work. So I acknowledge that.
2: But... Um, to be honest, I, I don't think people should even listen to the podcast on these things. I
1: totally agree. You know what you should do? Just subscribe, give a five-star review, fast-forward the podcast to the end so the thing thinks you've listened to the whole thing, and then don't listen. It's totally fine. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but do go to beer52.com forward slash vision. Anyway, um, so, but Mkhitaryan and Awobi did look good in this game, and I think it is the big issue we're facing right now that having forwards on the left and right that more naturally want to be in left and right. And I realize Mkhitaryan, it sometimes was playing 10 and it sometimes was playing wide right. But to you, how much of this game is is sort of evidence, further evidence, that those positions need to be occupied by players like that as opposed to players like Ozil and Obama? Mm, uh, Um
3: I'm, I'm okay with either. I, I, you know what? It's very difficult to judge because they were very, you know, they played a back six in a flat line. And so when your eyes went to the screen... You go to the players who are going to provide you hope. And we were passing the ball around, and we had maybe one player in Iwobi that was sort of keen to run at people, and uh, Mikataran was keen to run at people in broken play. And when they put the foot to the ground, they looked quite good and they looked quite threatening. And what it showed me really was that this was the day for that famed winger we've all wanted over the summer, you know, because neither of them two are really wingers per se but it would have been nice to have somebody a real true dribbler that that's their primary skill set and that's what the squad lacks you know forget the team of the night the squad lacks that player the closest we have really is Reese Nelson. He's no longer with us until he, he's gone to finishing school at Hoffenheim. And so we need that player. I was thinking watching that game, can you imagine if Reese Nelson was playing? Because of what they were doing, they were giving you time to receive it and pick up a head of steam. And so you can actually drive at them. Good players don't give you a chance to turn around and run at them, right? They take space away, they put your arm in your back, and they force you back towards your own goal. So they were poor, and, and, and the hope was there. That's not diminishing the. Um, the performances, I thought he we did really well. I thought he took a lot of care over his final ball. He put the ball into dangerous areas. He didn't kick any into the crowds like he used to do. And Mika a top player. as right? simple as that. He's a top player, and for me, he should be in our first eleven. So, you know, every minute at the moment, I'm more, you know, I'm more concerned that he played the whole game because I'd like to see him play on Sunday because I think he's that good and. And he should be on the right hand side, and Azel should be in the ten. If you're going to continue his four two three one, so, we, um, yeah,
1: I agree. Well, when we get to the Everton preview part of this, we'll also sort of debate what we think the lineup will be based on what happened tonight. So we can whoops. we can save that just for a moment. Um, <laughs> pretend you didn't hear the last few seconds of what Clive said. Um, I know, I know, I didn't. Uh, but, but, Paul, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, this Awobi this game for me, it's funny. It was kind of very typically Awobi, but just a level up in a sense. What I mean by that is. He was very influential. He did some very good things. He had an assist. He created some chances. And yet there were so many nearly moments where he let the ball roll under his foot a little bit extra. He didn't quite get the pullback right or didn't quite get the cross right. What did you make of his performance? I mean, really encouraging the way he was involved in, and the end product he did produce, but maybe a few mischances also?
2: Yeah, Sure. Uh, I mean, you can always make the counter argument. He hasn't had that many minutes, so suddenly he's in the spotlight. Maybe his decision-making will be maybe just a tad off. Um, I think he's a really good player if the opposition gives him that extra yard and today he had it. Uh, he looked like a superior athlete. He looked faster than them, stronger than them, because he probably was. Uh, and what he's got to do is do it against the top the top half of the table, the top six teams in the Premier League. Uh, You know, he's very young. Uh, He's doing really well. Um, But it may still take him another season or two before he can impose himself on games. What he's really got to do is enjoy and thrive on the competition. He's young enough that he doesn't need to get psyched out because he's not getting uh, to be picked as a starter each game. But he's just got to have these guys, Mkhitaryan, etc., in his crosshairs and learn from them in training and work hard. I mean, he still came. He was one of the players who looked tired just before he came off. So, you know, whatever that was, 60, 70 minutes into the game, um, I remember seeing him sprint up the w- wing. And unlike uh, earlier in the game where he looked like he, was, he had the turbos on. He was doing that running thing where you hit, you're you kind of leaning backwards and looking like you're running really fast. <laughs> but he, he, was, he was actually now going I, I call slower. That the than Giroud. Back. Yeah, that's, that's harsh. <laughs> oh, um, come on. But yeah, he probably was running at Giroud pace at that particular point. So maybe he just doesn't – he's never a player who's going to have 90 minutes in him. Uh, but maybe this is an opportunity under Emery to learn – that if he wants to pl- wants to be a starter, he's just going to simply have to knuckle down, learn from the other guys, uh, and work like a maniac to get his fitness to the kinds of levels where he can still sprint after 90 minutes. So I, I thought he was great in this game. I, I agree with you. Um it- he he made decision-making at times look a little bit more difficult. Even on those, though, he probably pulled out a, a magic cross that was a, an assist or a near assist because they kept giving him a second, a second chance or a second look at it, which I think speaks to the fact that they were giving him an extra yard. This was a very good game for him. It'll be good for his confidence. Uh, what does it mean? Uh, you know, I think we just got to be patient with him. He's got to not be patient with himself, though. He's just got to look at... Mikatarian with the bullseye and go after his pl- his place in the team. I mean, that's, there's a 30 year old ahead of him. That's got to give him, uh, what's he now? I would guess 22 or something. Um, he's got to be filled with hope that if he works his freaking socks off, he can eventually pip that guy for the job. So he, uh, we, we can agree
1: with, on this. He's whatever age he is until he's whatever age he's going to be. Yeah, um, plus, yeah. well, let me stay with you just for one second though. I mean, I was really impressed with Mkhitaryan too. Do you? I mean, what's your reaction to my uh, hypothesis that we are just a better attacking team and we look more coherent when those wide forward positions are occupied by? I don't want to call them natural wingers because they're not, but players who are at least more comfortable being in wide positions.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, there was the Dortmund connection on the goal with, uh, I mean, it was Mikatarian who made that breakaway. Mikatarian supposed- and Obama
1: Yang seem to have a real understanding, and it's understanding. Yeah. you know, I mean, you yeah. can see why that would be. Maybe we're looking for things that aren't there, but it, it looks like it.
2: Yeah, I mean, we were struggling. And then Mikatarian says something to the Ukrainian guy in Ukrainian to leave the ball alone, picks it up in the box, and basically takes it two-thirds of the, the field. But, I mean, how many breakaways have we seen Arsenal, supposedly a great breakaway team, uh, fluff kind of halfway up the pitch with the wrong ball? And he's got the right ball over to Iwobi. U- 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 oh, back to your friend Iwobi. U- Iwobi U- does great on that one. Uh, there can be no criticism of... No, of course. That's, that, that's uh, a what perfect play right there. Yeah, and not only was it a good ball, it was, he made an early decision and the right decision and uh, set Aubameyang on his tracks, and it was the Dortmund connection with uh, Mkhitaryan uh, Iwobi, who knows a couple of people from Dortmund. He might have even been there once. Who knows? Yeah, probably. And uh, Aubameyang, and pow, 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 in you go. So, uh, yeah, look, uh, what I got out of this game with Mkhitaryan is his touch can be a little erratic from time time to time. His passing can be, but his vision and his movement and... And his decisiveness in the final third is always excellent. And when it clicks for him, it really clicks. Uh, great that he, he did 90 minutes again. Uh, we yeah. should remember how we all kind of poo-pooed him, as they say in England, um, during preseason, but he was only just coming up to cruising speed. Uh, and now he looks like the real deal. On the other hand, having played 90 minutes, I'm slightly concerned that maybe the manager doesn't have him as a starter it's a shame. Uh, against Everton. I,
1: I think he makes us tick. I think he gives us something yeah. we don't have with these other players. And we're 20 he's minutes up. in, so it seems like the right time to bring Clive into the podcast. Um, so, <laughs> Clive, uh, maybe I'm he's off base in, here. He's
3: quite instinctive, Mkhitaryan. He, he, you, is
1: he a little Rositsky in terms yeah. of he has that directness and that that drive with the ball that nobody else in our, our squad really seems to possess?
3: So it's quite interesting with Paul. He does give the ball away. And when he gives the ball away – what it is, it's not a lack of technique, it's a lack of concentration. He just had his little switch off moments on some of the most basic things in football, like a three yard pass. Then he'll go and get it back and they'll whip a shot to the top corner. And you think, Mm. It's obviously you can play, but you almost need to be under the highest pressure to really test yourself to test your technique if you look at his goals at his scores his crosses they're always under pressure when you think can you do it and he delivers it perfectly i think he's a he's a he's a bit of an enigma type player actually does this, does just the, the easy stuff he finds difficult and the hard stuff he finds quite easy if that makes same, sense same same for well, me same for me. Yeah, I think he's... Um, I, I like him. I, I trust him under pressure, and I trust him when the key moments come. And the hardest thing in football is to deliver in the last third. We can all play. We can all train. We can all practice. When it comes to delivering in the last third, that's really difficult, and that's why Mesa Ozil's on 350 a week, because it's the hardest skill in football, right? So um, I like him a lot.
1: Well, <laughs> you know, you know what, I'll, what I'll say, too, about McTurney is is... The, that Chelsea game kind of sums him up in some respects, right? Because he had some of the worst moments early in that game that I could possibly remember and then created, you know, all of our chances. Uh, scored, did he score the goal? Or am I thinking City? Which was the game where he scored the goal um, from the top of the box? Chelsea. Chelsea. That was Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. He so I mean, one
3: and then the left foot shot, which is really difficult skill on his wrong foot on the laces, bang. Yeah. Goal. So, That's I, what I mean by instinctive. Right?
1: I mean, it's it's tough because I think ultimately this is a player who adds something that I don't think we have, but to bring him into the squad, you have to start dropping someone like Ozil or Ramsey or Lacazette or Aubameyang. And so the question is, do you pick the bigger names and the more talented players or do you pick the guy that seems to make things tick over? And we can talk about that a little more in the previous section, but it's something that I think is going to be an issue all game long, uh, pardon me, all season long. One player who I thought, did well with what he's supposed to do. That's put the ball in the back of the net tonight. Is Obamiyang and, and Clive? I know you don't like Obamiyang. You prefer Lacazette, and you think Yang's kind of a, uh, a fraud. Don't so, do that
3: again. <laughs> I just like I like. I see. What do you think? What do you think? I see. As, I see them as equally important. Fair and, um enough. And what we what I'd like is to see them play up front together. Yes, please. Let's just see it, right? They. I thought Obamiyang You know, it's quite interesting watching he's the so first smooth. part of that game. Gosh, we we never look like scoring. Broken field play, Dortmund style goal. And then the game opens up slightly and he looks a completely different player. At uh, sort of nil nil I'm looking at it going, Okay, this is interesting. Where's this goal coming from? I'm looking at the bench. <laughs> I'm looking around and then suddenly they, they they overcommit and we and we go in and we execute. And once we score then he looks really dangerous. He is a he is a very good footballer. And I have to I I was quite impressed with him tonight actually because I know the opposition wasn't great, but sometimes, when the opposition is not great, you can see someone's skill set and what they're really good at. And um, yeah, he's got some techniques and different style of finishes. And um, he could have had three or four. And I, I, I think it's gonna be. We have to find a way to get him closer to the box, Elliot. I know you want that too. There's no. It shouldn't be an either or. We just. We just got to get two of them there. Look, the system's got to change.
2: W- the w- w- one where he hits to, to get to the two of them up there.
1: It's four um, diamond two, but but I mean we're not gonna play that way. I th- I think we have to put aside this notion that we're going play two up front at least with any regularity because there's been no indication of it whatsoever I will tell you that while the one where he hits the post and his second goal are two of the smoothest sexiest moves in the game the goal he scores on the counter is what he can do and in those high xg in the box finishes I really do think if he finishes one or even both of those chances he gets against Chelsea which are chances he routinely does finish the narrative around him this season is totally different but you know, we'll, we'll leave that to one side. Paul, we have to give Socrates some credit. This is a player that I'll admit I was worried about when we signed him, getting up there, coming off a terrible season. He's quicker than I thought. He's front-footed, but he seems to read the game really well. Another impressive night, snuffing out what little danger Vorskla created. How impressed uh, were you with him in this game, and, and how does that build on what you felt about him so far?
2: I think more than impressed, the word I pick is heartened. Uh, you know, I heard I was told all these... Scary things from people who watch Dortmund. That uh yeah, he was good, but then he started being really bad, and we were stupid and we wasted money on him. Uh, that's a little paraphrasing, and I'm sure certain people will be getting prickly at that. Dis- They're not uh, on the pod, so they can't. They can't answer you. Fuck them. Um, and I'm like, well, okay, we might make mis- um, a mistake, but. um There seemed to be every reason to give this guy some time. I mean, when you look at him, he looks like a solid centre-back before he even kicks a ball. And it's taken him a few games uh, to get there. Uh, He was definitely warming up slowly like Mkhitaryan in preseason. But then maybe that's a Dortmund thing and maybe that's an experienced player thing. I don't know. But they're beginning to come good at the right time. uh, And he just has an air about him. Uh, yep. I mean, I'll do some defending of Mustafi, but the pro- one of the problems I would concede with Mustafi is he doesn't have an air about him. He, well, he does. <laughs> it's the it's the air that something could happen at any time. He has an error about him. Done. How about
1: that?
2: <laughs> yeah, and the other thing Mustafi has mirac- or sorry, uh, Socrates has miraculously done is found a couple of extra yards of pace from. Oh, you, you wouldn't say from nowhere maybe that's just the full fitness kicking in but i mean he's significantly quicker now uh we saw him in preseason and maybe the first game or two uh, getting beat for pace for quite often um and now he's the guy he's the cleaner upper um running behind other defenders uh pegging center backs back and he you know he's a big lad so he kind of has that advantage that somebody like a Van Dyke has where they have speed, but they also have the strength, the arm across the body. Uh, Company is another one uh, in his prime and on, on a good day these days yeah. who has speed and upper body strength and the arm across the body. And that's invaluable. And it's one of the things uh, Mustafi doesn't have. He, he has the arm coming back across his body. He's the guy who may end up on the ground. And uh, I'm not going to beat up on Mustafi because I still think it's early days, and we need to see him within the Leave system. Leave that to and me. When he, yeah, when he when he develops his confidence in his partnerships, uh, um, he he would. I don't think he'll ever be my first choice centre back for an established team, but uh, maybe maybe he can still be a very useful pairing. And right now he's all we got till because Shelny comes back. Um, so I don't want to beat up on him too hard, but I mean Socrates, if he if he can extrapolate these two games into a season, I think we're in very very good shape.
1: Yeah, and to your point, I mean once you start pegging people, they're not going to want to come into your area anymore after that. I mean, you know if he's yeah. if he's pegging people, that that's going to keep them away probably. Plus, they might find it difficult to walk. Um, Clive, that that's that's a fetish joke for you guys listening who don't know about okay. it. Um, Clive. <laughs> You know we're we're 28 minutes into this. I just about
2: know what a fetish is for God's sake.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, you're you're the prude of the podcast, that's for sure. Um <laughs> we're 28 minutes in and a- apart from uh some great contributions from Paul, we haven't really touched on Torreira that much. Um despite the fact this is his first start for the club. So you know, I think it says a lot about the opposition that his involvement probably wasn't decisive. But I'm curious to see if there are any little um, insights that you gleaned that maybe the rest of us lay people missed.
3: Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, it's quite interesting to commentary. Uh, we have a guy over here called Robbie Savage that commentates. And, um, yeah, he's a and real bright guy
1: from what I understand.
3: Yeah, and he was, he was Great criticizing hair, him. He was criticizing him for receiving the ball off the back for two and for coming too deep. He seemed and, to think uh,
2: he was a number 10, didn't he? Yeah, I don't know. I, li- I listen to his stuff and I just <laughs> do.
3: It does, you know what? It does he was wearing
1: number in. 11. Maybe he thought that was still Mesut it,
3: it does my head in and um, it, it's... It's, it's, it's maybe something we just have to calm down on in general. You know, I, I, I found... It's not good for the, the brand, tweets? but okay. Do you remember the tweets um, when we played Boreham Wood when uh, Socrates got beat on the dead ball line. Everyone goes, well, Socrates is useless. What they would buy that is. That's for the first preseason game in uh, my late July at Boreham Wood when he's probably ran about three yards in preseason training. Mm-hmm. We just got to relax a bit. We got to relax a bit and just let this... Let this ferment a little bit longer. Torreira's going to be a top player for us in that position, in front of the back four. And he knows exactly what he's doing. And I'm just watching his range of skills. And when you see this opposition, he gets a chance to swing the ball out over distances. He can still go into his tackles, but he, he was a little bit – he got a couple of kicks early, so he wasn't really having to fire in because they weren't good enough to test him. But he's showing you his heart, isn't he? He's showing you his personality regardless of He tried execution. to
1: get a ball off a defender from the ground by heading it off their yeah. foot. I mean, he's he, got he,
3: did that. he did that in the world. He did that in the World Cup. <laughs> I remember, and, um and, and then you think to yourself, you know what, that injury, it didn't look great, but there was no way he was coming off. And um, your grinds have just Special mentality, and, and we've got one at our club. And I think it's, I think it's going to be great to watch him flourish over the next two or three years. I guarantee you, that kid in two, three years' time will have to pick of the clubs in the world where he wants to go. That's the idea. Those, <laughs> those players like that are—they don't come along every minute. They really don't. And um, he's going to be a leader of our team in the middle of the pitch. And that's—it's the sort of player you build a team around because his, his skill sets are so obvious that they demand that you put some people around him that do the things that he can't do because he's going to run your team for you. And so, um, so yeah, I, I look forward to watching him grow over the next, not you know what I like? physically grow, but grow over the next couple of years.
1: No, he's not going to physically grow. <laughs> he, he should have done that earlier in his life. But listen, I, we have so many Goldilocks players in our team. You know what I mean? Like, well, Aubameyang really only likes to play number nine. Nozo only really likes to play number 10. And Ramsey really has to be a box-to-box eight. None of them really play wide. And, you know, all these players that were always, you know, Shaq is good if you can just put this kind of guy. Guy next to him, or that kind of, Torreira seems like the kind of central midfielder that anyone you put next to him is going to be fine. That he can, that he can clean up defensively. If it's a more progressive midfielder, that he can, you know, play the wall pass. That he can be more progressive. He can carry the ball through midfield. That he's a little bit press resistant. Like he's got just enough range of qualities to play with anyone. That's why I think you could put Ramsey next to him. You could put Shaka next to him. You could put Gunduzi next to him, and I think it would work. Mkhitaryan next to him. Um,
3: and there, and therein lies the definition of a good player.
2: Yeah, yeah, does kind of like need. a mini James Milner, isn't he? I very <laughs> mini,
1: yeah, very mini. And by the way, let me just stop you. The reason Paul brings that up is over on the Twitter side of things, I have basically been hand waving James Milner as a waste of space, which I have been told is is a terrible opinion. But you know what? Won't won't be my last. Um, let's move on. I I don't want to get uh, bogged down because this is just Vorsglot we're we're analyzing here. Um, let's talk substitutes a little bit uh, that made a difference. And by the way, quick mention for Danny Welbeck, did fine, scored a goal, good for him. Um, let's talk Gendouzi. I thought this was a different Gendouzi when he came on in this game, and it's the Genduzi that excited us in preseason. He was very progressive. Uh, he was driving forward. He was making incisive passes. The pass he makes to Ozil in the left half space at the top of the box was really sensational, and, and Ozil just gets a little too deep with it and isn't able to, to turn that into a goal. But... Paul, I mean, did you see a little bit of a different Ganduzi when he came in in this game? To me, it looked more, uh, a little less fearful, a little less conservative.
2: It did, but I think it's a bit of the Wobbe effect in that this was a game he had more space. I mean, he's been pinned back to Chaka, trying to get the ball out of our deep midfield against Premier League teams for the last couple of games. And, you know, I guess in some ways he's he's just a more conservative player Uh, because that's the nature of the beast. Um, We saw Chaka suddenly freed up when Torreira was on, and we probably need Torreira plus Guendouzi to see the Guendouzi we saw tonight against somebody like a Newcastle. Um, Because, you know, a Newcastle is going to sit back and keep it pretty tight and uh, make you work for it, Uh, have have two forwards back screening in front of Chaka and Ganduzi and it wasn't until we brought Terreira on that we saw Chaka freed up to suddenly start uh, pumping the passes around the place. I think Ganduzi you know the next time we see Ganduzi we'll probably see the Ganduzi we saw against Newcastle where you know it's narrow narrow gains narrow opportunities a couple of times in the game to do something and if you make the great the right decision okay you look like a star but mo- 90 Ninety-five percent of what you're doing is just kind of graft and moving it forward. Um, it'll be interesting the day we see Torreira and Genduzi if that frees them up a little bit to do something.
1: Yeah, um, I, I wonder yeah. if Genduzi is instructed when he's playing with Shaka that you're kind of the you're the safe option and Shaka's the progressive option. I, I don't know if that's a, a real strategy or if I just invented it, but there's definitely a, a desire for him to drift a little wider to play to the centre backs a little more in these Premier League games that we've seen and tonight bringing the ball up the pitch, always looking to beat a man if if he was under pressure, play play the forward pass, be progressive. And that's the stuff where I think he can be really special. We don't need uh, that sort of Elneny-esque figure on the pitch and we can come to him, him yeah. a bit. Climb. And
2: having no DM means there's kind of splitting that DMing between him and Jack. And we know Jack is vulnerable. I just think it pegs Genduzi back. But. Stop
1: pegging people, please. <laughs> this is trying to be a PG... PG or maybe PG thirteen podcast. Clive, um yeah, your thoughts on Ganduzi?
2: Google that. It's, it's well, quite do simple.
1: not Google pegging <laughs> unless you're ready to delete your browser history. And not you know, not there's anything wrong with it. Clive, Ganduzi, please save us. Yeah,
3: I just I just thought his starting position was, was better. I think he's a drifter. I think he drifts to the right. It may be an instruction with Bellerin vacating a lot, but I think he drifts to the right too much, and I think it leaves us open. I thought today he was more central, and when he's when he's nearer moments and instances and things that are going to happen, then he can get there because he can. He's got. He does travel quite nicely. He goes to ground quite nicely, and he's he just got a bit of flourish about him. He looked, they weren't so good, so he looked quicker. He stepped them. He stepped through the lines nicely. And when he came on, they were tired, so he looked more progressive. But I was looking at his starting position, and he stayed in a hard pitch. If you watch when Torreira comes on with Shaka, he's never more than 10 yards away. And so I think Granduzzi makes that 20 yards. And I just think he creates instances, and good teams will pop straight through it. So... The player is good. He's 19. He's, he's, he's seeing a lot of minutes ahead of people that potentially are ahead of him. But they trust him. They see something in him. Great personality. Easy stuff to coach, right? Where your starting position is, your average position. This one way to stand. These are your distances. When you get that right, you can play. No problem with that. But if you're in the wrong position, you're now running back 20 yards. and You don't look so good. So, be in position to get the ball in the front foot and, and transition. And I thought he was much better than that tonight. So maybe in the next few games, when we do see him for whatever minutes we see him for, just keep your eye on that. Is he central? Is he really only in the center of the pitch? Cause if he is, that's another, that's another tick in the box for uh, our recruitment team for sure.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Um, A couple other little quick, quick hits. Emil Smith row gets on good for him. Um, maybe could have gotten a goal. I don't think he put a foot wrong. I don't think he did. You know, a, an unbelievable amount in the game, but certainly a nice little cameo for him and good for his development. His close continue.
2: controls really impressive.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, I think uh, I think Clive's point is a good one that we'll probably see in Kedia against Brentford uh, on Wednesday. So they each get a shot in one of these games. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to see them get a shot in both of these games, but so be it. Um, Steiner obviously started tonight. I, I thought he, ha- he was fine, not great, fine, certainly, but then he has the error that leads to their first goal, although a little harshly punished by a center back from that position. And then there's the, the goal at the-, at the death. So let's touch on those for a minute, Paul. I mean, does it take any gloss off this for you, the fact we conceded two, and do you want to apportion blame for either of them?
2: Uh, it does take some gloss off it. It was a shame you know, you're cruising at 4-0, you're feeling good, there's the positive vibe, and then you remind yourself that basically anybody can score against you at the moment. Uh, And we've got to fix that. I mean, this is at the Emirates, needs to become perhaps a fortress is a strong word, but certainly something that was built with something stronger than Ikea furniture. The uh, first
1: goal is sort of a fluky one in the sense that Licksteiner just kind of loses it under his feet, and then it's slammed into the corner by a center back. The second one is a little bit shameful because we just weren't professional. We thought the ref was going to blow up, the game's over. We've gotten sloppy, yeah. yeah.
2: And I'd already decided it was cruel of the referee to allow them three minutes when we were 4-0 up and trouncing them. And then it was 4-1. I'm like, uh, you know, I'm surprised he didn't just pick two minutes and the buggers go and put another one in the back of the net. Yeah, I saw some criticisms of Leno, which is another interesting topic in terms of how his game went. Uh, I, I would say I thought Licksteiner was actually very good throughout the game. Um, you know, I'm kind of thinking to myself, he, he really does have a case to give Bellerin a good run for that spot. I mean, he he looks fast, fit, strong. He's clever. He's savvy. It's a shame the goal kind of will be marked down against him. Uh, And maybe some people will point a finger at Leno, too. Um, But I just think it was more a bit of how much space there is in a game like this, not just for them, but unfortunately also for us. We're just not as tight suddenly under pressure when they come at us in the few times they do that in the game. So, um, yeah, it's on Licksteiner, but it's also just a little bit on us, kind of beginning to wind down, I felt.
1: Which is which is a shame. I agree. I, it doesn't take too much gloss off it for me, but it's an annoyance. Clive, did you see anything from Leno that gave you any kind of indication of how we should feel about him? I mean, this is not a game for evaluating a goalkeeper and he concedes two. but the first one is unsavable. The second one, the angles I saw made it look like it went right down the center. I have been reliably informed it's in the corner. I, yeah, I can't, he couldn't I save, he couldn't save I, it. He, c- yeah.
3: he couldn't save either of them, mate. He couldn't. And also, uh, we're all looking at his kicking initially, weren't we? So, um, so the first time he gets the ball, he he looks comfortable. And if you notice, when he punches it out to the fullback, he then he, he then runs after it to get into a position to get it back again. And that's what makes a player feel comfortable because they they're preparing themselves for the path they know that's coming. So when it comes to him, he's already in the right shape to just. Receiver on the back foot and go out the other side. It's just simple footballer stuff that midfielders do all the time, but goalkeepers don't. Whereas when Czech passes it, he passes it slow, he gets it back, and he wants to touch it and stop it dead. When you stop it dead, you give people a target to come and press. So it's just little basics of a footballer versus non footballer. Then he chips the ball into that middle third, exactly the pass that Czech hasn't got, that chip pass, and we're off and running. He, he looks very good for me. He was showing
2: off a bit, wasn't he, Clive?
3: Yeah, he was making sure everyone knows he's got a few. He's got a backspin chip into the middle of the pitch. Thank <laughs> you. I saw that, mate. Undercut that into the middle. Very nice. But you know what? You let two into your net. You're picking up and, and rubbing your gloves. So, so that that just keeps you back on your heels. Like I said before, Elliot, he's 26 and 136. So he's going to be our goalkeeper one day. It's just a matter of time, really. So, um, I, I like I like the look of him actually. Okay. Um, more if you compare him to the 70 million pound Chelsea goalkeeper that I can't remember his name but you know I'm looking at Lena I'm thinking well I don't see much difference there you know I think you're more experienced you're better valued and you can play the type of football that modern teams are playing so I'll just, let's see how he goes
1: all right so uh Paul
2: yeah pegging fetish Jesus no. Christ you, you looked it up didn't you yeah. Oh, sorry.
1: No. Um, uh, so yeah. Uh, hey, I don't, no, no, I, I don't want to hear your opinion on Leno. I, I'm no. changing gears. Um, what do you expect to be the lineup this weekend for Everton at home?
2: Oh, fuck! Um, I have no idea. Um, I want it to be Mkhitaryan on the right. That's a key decision which impacts either. At the moment, it looks like, like you can't drop Lacazette. I think uh, Adrian Clark made that point very strong. Uh, I mean, I, strong. I
1: could, but no one's paying me to be the Arsenal manager for reasons that totally uh,
2: escape me. So you you could drop him for this game at the moment? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, look, oh I,
1: I don't... It, here's the here's my thing, right? It's not that I don't think you, Lacazette you're is You're very good. much
2: in the Mourinho mode, I aren't you? I think La Lacazette
1: is a brilliant player. I still think Aubameyang at center forward with Mkhitaryan on the right and Iwobi on the left is our best, most balanced use of our attacking talent. I would put Ozil at 10, Ramsey and Torreira in central midfield. That's how I'd set us up. Now, if Uh, you want to put Lacazette out there, put him out there with Aubameyang as two up front. I can't help the fact that I think Aubameyang is a better striker than Lacazette. I know there are people that disagree with
2: me. But, 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 so you're doing the, the, you've assembled the team and you're going to announce it and you're Emery at this point in his Arsenal fledgling career. And you're going to drop Lacazette after last week.
1: Can I give you a counterpoint? This yeah, is the same well, guy who's picked Gondouzi and Shaka as central midfield from the start of the season when Torreira is sitting on the bench. I mean, he's had the courage to do that. You know, but to he pick... didn't
2: drop no, Torreira. I get.
1: Look, I'm you're, not saying you're drop... Lacazette deserves to be dropped. And by the way, I'm not saying he will. I don't think he will. And I realize if you want to have a meritocracy, you have to pick the players that are performing
2: for you. So, I, I'm, uh, I'm and you've got to transition. It's got to. It's got to seem fair. Um. Because there's nothing special about this game that you could turn around to Lacazette at home at the Emirates and say,
1: (laughs) Well, he's (laughs) clearly not going to do it. Look, no, I'm telling you what I would do. Go ahead. Let's let let Clive
2: argue. Uh, Clive,
3: argue. Yeah, I'm just saying, I actually think Yang is a better striker than Lacazette. So do I. But for the team, what this team needs right now, it needs a player like Lacazette to get them going. Right. So as they're finding their shape, pattern, and distances, and and everything else about this team is all about learning new partnerships and different ways of playing. This team needs Lacazette. It needs it. Right. And then uh, it needs the both of them. But I, it needs Lacazette right now. And maybe in time, when we have different players in the wide areas, where that build-up and devastation can be shared, then I think we can decide who, if it's going to oh, be one okay', Man, okay. it's going to be. But
1: then you know what. I'd drop Yang then. I know it. Look, if he's going to play Yang wide left, I'd rather you, he go. Why would you do that? Why because would you do because that? I, personally, I, mean, man, I don't think Yang has been very right. effective coming from that wide forward position. I, re, I know he scored the one goal against Cardiff. It was from the top of the box. It's a volley. Other than that, his XG has been much, much lower than you expect. He hasn't been but getting chances, taking shots. That
3: doesn't matter. Sometimes you have to think about, take, a, take, take your head away from statistics and say to yourself, okay, I'm your position manager. What do I want Arsenal to do? Or what don't I want them to do?
1: I, I, I want them to play a guy on the left wing who's not suited out there, who leaves them defensively vulnerable, but also is a six out of ten attacking from that position. So, I
3: mean, and you know, you know, because I know you know your numbers, you know that his numbers are mm-hmm. down. But from a team perspective, we're scoring twos and threes every single game so it's working it's not working maybe to the percentile you want to see do you think our attacking potential- performances
1: have been good just 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 off i mean like the, f- the first half this past weekend for example i mean that's about as incoherent as it gets you were on the halftime show i yeah i remember I doing it with you
3: <laughs> and um and yeah i i think we've we've looked good in patches Right, and and that's it. We've looked good in patches for the whole season. It's, I'll, I'll, I'll say something on, on the back channel today, or maybe on Twitter. It's quite hard to to judge us at the moment because we're playing either teams who are very bad <laughs> or teams who are very good, and it's another example of a very bad team. That we managed to put away. That's a good point. We're not uh, playing
1: like Watford or someone that's competent no. but not great. We've, we've played some terrible teams and we've played, you know, a couple of really good ones and nothing in the middle. A, I, I, by the way, I just want to say I'm not trying to be argumentative, by the way. I, I totally see the argument for starting uh, Lacazette and keeping Aubameyang wide left. It's not – for me, it doesn't look like that's really been cohesive and I, I'm not sure it works, but I totally understand the reason for doing it. So I, I don't want it to sound like I'm being argumentative and – um, I got, uh, and we, I would say yeah, go ahead, that, Paul, until
2: we see Terrera in midfield, uh, maybe it won't change anything. Maybe it won't move the needle. But until we see that with the various lineups, because our midfield doesn't quite make sense at the moment. And if your midfield doesn't, you're not feeding the attacking line. And, you know, we looked a lot better in the second half against Newcastle. Maybe, maybe that's a one off. Maybe yeah. maybe that's just a Terrera effect and it doesn't. Doesn't make Obama Yang work or not work. But until we get some kind of supply lines going with Chaka pumping the ball forward and us having some coverage, um, now, you know, will we see Terrera start? You know, in terms of lineup, I want Terrera to start. I want Mikatarian on the right. And I'm back to trial and error on the other guys. But yeah. that, those seem to be two key pieces for me. The fact you that Ramsey was re- rested
1: all together tonight, I mean, we certainly yeah, would suspect sure. he's he's playing on Sunday unless, unless he's injured. Clive, come back.
3: I was just going to say, you know, he, he's trying things out, isn't he? If you notice yeah. in the game where um, Socrates has played um, right center half in this game, he normally plays left center half. In the second half, they just swapped over for a bit. Swap over. Have some fun, see what happens, you know. And, and holding plays on the right side, right? What I would like to see Elliot, which maybe you, you haven't mentioned, but I would think it would be nice for Abamyang and Lacazette just to rotate now and again. Lacazette goes left; he's played part of his career out wide, and he coming from the outside just rotate. He did some of that problems. in the preseason. We haven't
1: seen it this yeah. season, but he did mm, some in the preseason,
3: exactly. And he did some of that some last season. He had a couple of periods where he went wide for a period, and all he does is keep people guessing. And I just think we just need to get those two on the pitch. We haven't got to choose, but they need to be cute about their what they do on the pitch and how they cross over and swap and and just cause problems. You just and can't especially leave that. Especially
2: with sp- the vacuum on the right side, the right wing spot of Mkhitaryan isn't playing. That's a natural place for uh, Lacazette to drop off to, inviting. Yep. Obama Yang in. There's different things they could do, and and maybe as you say, uh, especially with Torre, Torreira well able to find a pass and him being on the right side of that midfield pairing. To your point on trial and error, there's so many things. You know, we're writing off all sorts of options at the moment, and we shouldn't. It'll be, di- I'm maybe it won't be better with Torreira and Chaka, but it it'll be different, and that'll give us other combinations. Back to trial and error, there are all sorts of things that we're go- that we can see with. Uh, Terrera to the right finding, say, Ozil off the right wing or uh, L- Lacazette finding it a profitable area to drop off to to pick up the ball from Terrera on that side because, you know, he will put, as we've seen today, he'll he'll have his head up, he'll pick out a pass and he'll ping it quickly. So there's some new combinations to come from that right side that might change our thinking a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, I, look, I think we know based on what happened tonight or we, we, we can infer that, Torreira will not start again. That it will be Shaq and Ganduzi. That Ramsey will start. That Ozil will start. That Mkhitaryan will be back to the bench. That it will be back to the bench. So, you know, I mean, all this conjecture aside, and, and this is good debate, hot debate. We like fresh, hot debate, um, especially because we have some of the masters of it here. So it's it's really master debate. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I think, um, but, but, but yes, I, think I was, I was, I was, was wrapping it, up look, there. But you you I go, you, you go
3: do your thing what, now. Oh, sorry, mate. One no, last you thing. Go, you go, you go. <laughs> there, there, there are lots of players that have been bought this year that haven't really featured much this season. I think Liverpool got a £50 million pound holding midfielder that's barely started in Fabinho, and and I'm sure they want to see him, but he's not started yet. They, they benched Naby Keita in the week. I thought, wow, that's interesting. I mean, we just got to get used. It's, it's September. Relax, my son. This is going to take time to form, and then when it does, we'll all see it. We'll all see it.
1: Telling me to relax is like telling the son not to come up in the morning. <laughs>
2: not happening um uh predict score prediction paul uh, i think we're going to peg everton absolutely peg them <laughs> it's so <laughs> awful from behind <laughs> which is the only way you can peg anybody apparently
1: <laughs> can you give me a score prediction please
2: oh oh sorry um we always concede so i'll go with three one uh, is that Clive? a pegging that's not a pegging a pegging Cl- Cl- would be 17-0 i think five <laughs>
3: <laughs> i'll just say two words and go back onto mute <laughs> uh
1: well all right don't go back onto mute yet because i want to ask you something are you um, You'll be mute
2: after we've pegged everton clive and i know you are a so huge
1: nba fan um are yeah. you do you know who shams uh charania is the guy who breaks a lot of huge stories huge news in the nba who
3: sorry uh, shams
1: shams charania yeah, no. yeah, yeah and I shams know is NBA. sort of the other woge um you, okay. you know who he is paul no. Okay. Well, no. <laughs> the re- the, no. The reason I bring it bring it up is just uh, I have started writing for a website called The Athletic. I don't know if you guys heard about this. Um, yeah. I have an article that's coming out. I just submitted it. It is about Ivan Gazidis, his time at Arsenal, and what it means with him moving on. But um, the reason I brought it up is I know you love the NBA, and their NBA writing is second to none. But so uh, oh. if if people don't, don't know, know about The Athletic, um, it is a subscription website, but. No ads, no pop-ups, no autoplay ads. I just had this conversation uh, earlier today with someone else basically saying how the internet has become just a steaming pile of garbage trying to find something that's worth reading, worth consuming other than this obvious, obviously this phenomenal podcast. Um, and I I have fallen in love with The Athletic. The The writing is exceptional. There's 700 new articles uh, every single week across all the sports. The guy who uh, ran The Howler, George Qureshi, he is the editor-in-chief on the football side for The Athletic. Um, Graham Hunter writes for them. Uh, Gunner Blog writes for them. But they, they really are the best at what they do and the articles there are are fantastic. So they have actually uh, said that we can offer a special deal for anybody who wants to give them a try. So if you go to The Athletic forward slash Arsenal Vision, you'll get a free trial first of all and then you get 30% off if you continue beyond that. So The Athletic Special promo
2: page. code as I understand it is pegging?
1: No, no. You've ruined it. You've ruined it as usual. Um, but but it is theathletic.com forward slash Arsenal Vision. None of what Paul said is, is real or true. Go there. Go. Try it. The, the stuff is awesome. Uh, And and I promise that when I write for them, it is free of some of the uh, uh, insane rantings that you hear from me here on, on the Twitters. But the other writers, uh, absolutely phenomenal. And you're just going to get the best in-depth coverage. You're not, not going to get clickbait. You're not going to get listicles. You're not going to get transfer rumor nonsense. It's just... Good, clean, family fun, and sometimes not family fun. But in any event, go there, theathletic.com forward slash Arsenal Vision. In any event, we are going to take a break. When we come back, Tim is going to be on. That's right, the Tim. The Tim Stillman, Stilberto, uh, finally decided to show up for an Arsenal match. We're going to ask him what he thought of it. Uh, until then, Paul's on Twitter at Paws My Pants. Thanks, Paws. Clive's on Twitter at Clive P-A-F-C. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. We'll take a break. We'll talk about a little bit of beer. You want beer. You need beer. You want me on that beer. You need me on that beer. You can handle the beer. You're going to hear about that uh, and some music, and then we'll be back with Tim. Stay with us. But right now, it's time to tell you about our favorite monthly craft beer discovery club. In fact, it is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club, Beer52.com. You're going to want to go to Beer52.com forward slash vision right now. The reason you're going to want to do that is you're going to get a free case of craft beer. Free a free case of craft beer. You're even going to get a copy of Ferment Magazine and a snack. So you're getting all that for free. Just pay £2.95 shipping and you'll be upgraded to free next day shipping, which is great. Eight incredible craft beers, a magazine, a snack, no-brainer. And I know all about no-brainers. Trust me, I have no brain. In any event, this is a chance for you to discover some of the best beers from around the world. And right now, you get to take advantage of Uh, The Raise the Bar competition, Beer 52's search for the UK's best new small brewers in partnership with the London Craft Beer Festival. So you'll enjoy the likes of Unity's 7% Export Stout, Boxcars Belgian IPA, and West by Three's Mothership with Passion Fruit. It's only available in the UK, which makes me very sad, but if you live in the UK, it should make you very happy because by going to beer52.com forward slash vision, not only do you make us happy podcasters, but you make yourself a happy owner of free craft beer. And so... That is obvious. By the way, uh, one thing we love about Beer52.com, they have a five-star rating on Trustpilot. So you know you are going with a very trustworthy company. Again, the most popular monthly craft beer delivery service. So take advantage of it. Beer52.com forward slash vision. Go there right now. Get your free case of craft beer. You're going to love it. Okay, we're back. And now we are with the star of the show. That is Tim Stillman. You can find him on Twitter at Stilberto. Hello, Tim.
4: Hello there
1: great to talk to you. um you were at the Emirates after <coughs> a weekend off let's Let's just quickly get your reaction. How was the wedding and what was it like not to be at the newcastle game
4: <laughs> it It wasn't as strange as I thought it would be actually um to be honest with you we had um so the game kind of happened during the uh so the like the ceremony happened like two o'clock and it was three o'clock kickoff in the u k so around about the time the game started was the fizz and nibbles bit you know the champagne and the uh and the nibbles and and all of that. So like, it, it was quite nice. So there was enough going on, but I could check the score whenever I wanted. Um, so yeah, it was it was actually uh it was it was um easier than I thought it would be actually.
1: I'm going to let you know that uh in the earlier segment of the podcast there was quite a lot of discussion of pegging and since that's where my mind was I uh I thought you said fizz and nipples and I just <laughs> I was just worried where this podcast is headed, but thankfully that was not the case. Hopefully you're not going to make a habit of it though. Um you were there tonight and yeah. I-, I think it's fair to say it was a sparsely attended um, yeah. Europa League tie so I just want to get your sense I mean how big a deal is it for the club generally and for the direction we want to go that the attendances are, are, are as poor as are? I mean what, what was the atmosphere like and what is it like to be at a half empty Emirates Stadium for a game like this
4: yeah. I mean, there was no atmosphere really. Um, and you know, quite understandably for quite obvious reasons, there wasn't much of an away following. Um, although what was there was, was noisy for what it was, um, and quite excitable, but not on a, usually on European nights, even if the Emirates is a bit, you know, in a bit of a lull, you have some fairly lively away fans, but you know, for games like this, there, there isn't a big, uh, traveling contingent. So yeah, the, the atmosphere was, was like the stadium sparse, um, Let's face it, it's a secondary competition that not that many people are interested in. And let's face it, even in the Champions League, um, group stage football is the worst football um, out there. It's um, Especially
1: when there's no suspense, when you know you're going through. I mean, in the Champions yeah. League, you can make an argument that there was a chance we might not get out of the group, although we were spoiled by doing it every year for 27 years. Yeah. But, but in this case, there's no worry of that.
4: But then even in the Champions League, I can only think of um, probably from about, I don't know, 2004, 2005 onwards, I can think of two times where the group stage was remotely exciting. And there was there was the year we got Dortmund, Napoli and Marseille. So we were in the kind of group of death. So you thought, oh, OK, it's it's not like it's not a given that we're going to go through here. And then, of course, two years later, we, we made the group exciting. We had by, the great escape. <laughs> yeah, exactly. By losing the first two games and then having that, that brilliant Bayern game at the Emirates. That Bayern game at the Emirates is one of the few times I can remember any group stage goal where, you know, the, whether a goal celebration was a proper kind of air puncher. Yeah, um, it's you know group stages. They're they're universally rubbish, even in the Champions League, because the games they lack consequence, and without you know, I th- I think for me, if you take away jeopardy, consequence, tension all of those things, then football is, is just, you know, it's just a series of friendlies. And uh, But then again, I, I, th- I kind of tend to think that's where football's going anyway. But, um, but we'll you have...
1: still have compelling podcasts. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's be careful indeed, where we're going with indeed. this. Um, <laughs> and, and just out of curiosity, just really, really quickly, I mean, had this been a Wednesday night game against Vorskla in the group stage of the Champions League, do you think it would have been any better attended? How much of this that's is Europa silly. League and how much of it is the just the opposition and the the nature of the group stage?
4: it's it's probably the opposition and the nature of the crew okay. stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Fair enough. So one of the things we were talking about earlier, and I think it is a discussion that could potentially become one of the themes of the season, is how we get the most out of the wide forward positions. I thought the mm. Guitarian and Awobi were very influential tonight. We already did the caveat, Tim, earlier in the, the podcast that, yeah, yeah, it's terrible opposition and maybe you can't learn anything from playing mm. this kind of opposition, but we're going to draw conclusions anyway because what else are we yeah. going to do? You um, can, You
4: can learn... Stuff from playing these games, yeah, yeah.
1: So, I mean, given that we've acknowledged the caveats, I mean, it does appear that we are a more coherent attacking force when those wide forward positions are taken up by players that look at least marginally comfortable Mm. occupying those spaces uh, in Mkhitaryan and Iwobi. How much are you leaning towards the idea that using Aubameyang and Ozil in those positions, although they may be the superior players on talent, is not the superior tactic for us in terms of building an attack?
4: yeah yeah I, I listen i've i've said since june um a, a big player is going to have to sit down um at some point and probably permanently um i i happen to think that i i really take your point on the last podcast that lacazette is probably the one who's performing cuz he's the only one playing in the position he wants to play in yeah makes sense <laughs> um but there again, Aubameyang had the first three games up front, um, and and didn't look fantastic. Um, let, let me to be just quite cut honest. across you
1: for one second. I think against City, you can almost throw out. You yourself yeah, said yeah, that, yeah. but but against Chelsea, that narrative could be very different if he has two finishes that you'd expect him to put scores. away yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: yeah 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 that's that's quite true um but yeah listen he's, he's gonna have to make a big a big decision maybe too um i i i think like you think that mkhitaryan pretty much has to start um and that's something i i wrote about a little bit in the summer actually that i i thought he would become an important player purely because as we saw tonight he's i mean he's not even really i don't think i think if you sat down and said which position would you most like to play in because he's a footballer he would just go oh someone near the center number tech because all footballers are, <laughs> Want to be are in the center of the pitch stupidly <laughs> obsessed with being in the center all the time even if it's not their best position but he's the only one who's remotely comfortable as a wide forward and he's not really like you know he's not a winger is he he's 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 a decent wide forward he can play in that half space very well um i i think he has to play because he Give us, he gives a structure and um he's he's not quite as good as ozil i don't think he's maybe quite as good as ramsey or obama um but he you know he's he's like a piece of scaffolding um he kind of holds it together and and he's you know he's not like mr chalk on the boots but he's he's kind of all right um, out there and i, I think the other reason I felt like he'd become an important player is one of the things I like about him. He's a bit of a jack-of-all-trades. He's got a bit of everything. Um, he can run with the ball. He's got two good feet. He can shoot. He can pass. Um, he's good in tight spaces. His touch is good. You know, he's, he's he doesn't excel at any one thing, but he's quite good at everything. And I think if you've got a forward line with You know, supreme talents like Aubameyang or Ozil, I think having someone like that really centres things quite nicely, Um, a bit like uh, the beginning of not last season, the season before where we had that front three of uh, Walcott, Alexis and Iwobi. And uh, it was the best football Uobis ever played for Arsenal, and it's not because he's super talented. It's just he gave a little bit of structure and centered Walcott and Alexis a little bit. He he gave a little bit of um a little bit of something that they don't a little bit of structure. Yeah, complementary
1: um, players. It just makes ex- sense. Exactly, right?
4: <laughs> exactly. And and I think that's kind of what you saw tonight, really. Um, and even a bit, again, yeah, that this is where the the opposition caveat comes in but even a yeah particularly in the first half not many touches but he looked a little bit more comfortable with two guys whose primary job was to try and feed him um, at every opportunity and you could see Awobi was looking for him all the time in particular him and Mkhitaryan already have a really good relationship um, and, and, you know, he, I don't know, he looked a little bit happier with that, even if he still, I don't know how many touches he had tonight. I don't think it was that many, but he still looked a bit more menacing because he had that kind of structure around him where he was the centerpiece. He was the one, uh, around whom everything was built. And I think Mkhitaryan and Awobi are good struts. They're good. They're good servants. You know, they're good servants mm-hmm, for... Yeah that type of player a bit like Welbeck is Welbeck's a bit like that Welbeck if you put him up front and tell him to lead the line he looks absolutely lost almost useless but if you put him with uh like a a really assertive character and say right this is the guy we've built around go and help him he's brilliant at that and um I I think that's the mix that we've got to find we've got you know it's a bit chiefs and Indians we've got we've got a few too many chiefs in there at the moment I think and uh yeah, I so so I I thought I thought that was quite noticeable tonight, and I also thought Iwobi, the tempo with which he played, um, was really notable as well. Because there are times Iwobi can look, should we say, a little bit relaxed. Yeah. Um, you you didn't get that sense from him tonight. And maybe it's because he hasn't really been playing. He's he's not been in the team, but he looked like he had that extra kind of right. I've got to do something tonight. And uh, yeah.
1: It's an interesting Willoughby performance, right? Because he was influential and he he had an assist. And I thought overall he made some really important contributions. And at the same time, he left a lot of meat on the bone, if you know what I mean. Yeah. There were so yeah, many yeah. moments where I thought, ooh, he could have done better there. In fact, the assist Mikatarian has for Welbeck, comes from a Iwobi having a little bit of a heavy touch into the box. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, So, you know, it's just one of those Danny, or not Danny, um, similar players in some ways, Iwobi games where really loved his involvement, really loved some of his end product, and still felt that there was there was room for him yeah. to, to influence the game more. I think it, this was a tough game to analyze Torreira in because they had so little threat. I mean, for a game where yeah. the opposition scored two goals... It's it's impossible to remember any attacking moves they really strung together, and so yeah, yeah. you know, Torreira wasn't in there destroying things, which is ideally what we want him for. You know, intervening in in opposition attacks. But were you able to draw any conclusions from his his first start for the club? And and you know, how, were you impressed with what you saw?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't think it was his most impressive. It was a solid seven out of ten. I what I liked and what I think I'm going to like about him because we haven't quite seen enough yet is that, uh, and everything I've I've read, um, is that he's got a creative side to his game as well. So, because we're Arsenal fans and we've lacked this kind of player for ages, um, you know, we we play up the kind of the destroying qualities. True. And I think you guys had a really good discussion about how he freed Shaka um in the Newcastle game, um and you know how and he, you know he's another one who's a bit of a strut for the midfield where there's a few free spirits. Um but what I think what we saw tonight is that he's got a pass. Um he's got like a nice lofted through ball uh um, he you know to chip ball over of, the
1: top a lot too which yeah, you know yeah, gives you a sense of his confidence and his progressiveness
4: exactly exactly yeah it was it's progressive um passing so you know we we know he can do that quick kind of one touch almost arteta like um you know not particularly fancy looking but very useful forward quick punching the ball forward passing but he showed particularly from deep a creative side and that's that's really important as well um for the same reason it's important when Jacka does it because he's going to be one of the few arsenal players that gets a bit of time and space um, in that kind of area of the pitch. And if if he can, you know, listen, I'm not saying he should be doing it four or five times a game. Those are, those are really eye-of-the-needle passes that are incredibly difficult to get right. But if he can do that once in a while to open up a defence, then all the better.
1: Yeah, and I think he's a player who can be paired with a variety of different kinds of players. And we've, we've mm-hmm. spoken so often about how certain players only work in some positions with the right partners. It's nice to have a guy that looks versatile in terms of who we could work with and, and what he can contribute mm-hmm. in the middle of the park. Um, we already covered Socrates and talked about the impressiveness of his performance. I think he's sort of um, uh, inspired people with more confidence than, than maybe they had starting mm-hmm. the season. Do you feel the same about his recent performances and in particular the one tonight?
4: yeah yeah I I liked him from the start actually I think um I, maybe it was after the West Ham podcast I said he, he kind of reminded me a bit of Colo Torre I, I still get the feeling that maybe he's not you know the general um you know in defense that he's not like the guy that organizes and leads and, no and problem. I still we've think, got Mustafi for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and so I I think you know I I think him next to like peak Mertesacker or peak Koscielny, uh, although I'm not particularly sure Koscielny an equal, uh, uh, an organizer, but you know, Socrates next to like Mertesacker six years ago would have, would have been really quite interesting. I just, I just really like him because I think he's a defender that seems to really like defending. He seems to like really get a kick out of a tackle, a block winning an aerial ball. He's, he's quite pumped um, you know, he's absolutely furious when the referee pulls him up for free kicks. And, you know, I th- I feel like Arsenal have had quite a lot of, like, quite nice defenders um, over the years. Even Koscielny, to a degree, um, is, is quite nice. You know, you c- you couldn't see him, like, headbutting someone in a dark alley, put it that way. Whereas is a is a guy I wouldn't cross, you know. And, um, but I, but I think he uses that aggression really well. He doesn't just go around kicking people or like thumping his chest. He's, it's like a really nice, he's aggressive for the ball. He's hungry for the ball. And, uh, and I really like that. He's basically, he kind of looks at the moment like, um, you know those times when Mustafi does those sliding tackles, but he gets it right.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think I've seen that <laughs> once or
4: twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It kind of look, and you think, "Oh, okay, that's good." But but you know, in the back of your mind, with Mustafi, it's like, "Yeah, I know, I know, you're going to do that like another fifty times and really not get it right." Whereas with Socrates, I think his his judgment looks fairly good. So, yeah, he he really looks to be um, growing into this team, and and I think. We need a a leader um, at the back because, you know, Nacho is, as Arsene said, a quiet leader. You know, Bellerin's not there yet. Mustafi's not a leader. Um, And so, you know, Socrates. it really looks to me like it's going to be up to him to kind of take on that role. I'm not sure how comfortable he is with it, but he's probably the best place to do it. Yeah, well, needs must. So man up. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, you know, Koscielny's ahead of his... Ahead of schedule in terms of his uh, fitness, which is shocking. I mean, I I have to admit, I thought that could be a career ender. So maybe mm. Koscielny will be back sooner rather than later, which would be helpful. You know, speaking of people being healthy and fit and avoiding injury, were you surprised that he risked players like Aubameyang, Nacho, Socrates or Socrates? Socrates is is too old to be risked at this point. Um, <laughs> you know, some some of those guys, maybe even Torreira, for a game like this. I mean, we saw Arson really rotate. I mean, hardly ever yeah. use any player that could be even considered a first teamer in the group stage last season. And it was still enough to get by. What's your reaction to the way he lined up?
4: I, I wasn't surprised. So Monreal, I absolutely thought would play because we don't really have any choice. I th- I thought Sokratis would play alongside holding. I did think that was, I thought he was going to, because I think Mavrop- uh, Mavropanas is injured um, at the moment. So, he wasn't available, so he was going to play one of the senior centre halves. I thought it'd be Sokratis just because he's slightly better, and um, the Mustafi. And you know, he he still needs to grow into this team a little bit. Um, I, I wasn't that surprised actually because Emery did say a couple of days ago, you know, my idea is not to change 11 players. Um, so I felt that there would be a couple of players. I, I was certain Terreira would start. Um, I, I'm not saying I definitely thought Abamyang was going to start, but I thought one of Ramsey or Erzil or Abamyang or someone like that would be in the team. Um, or Lacazette or someone like I, I didn't feel like he was going to take all of the big players out. I did think he'd keep one or two in. I just didn't know which ones they'd be. So I'm, I'm not too... Like the back four was exactly as I expected. Goalkeeper exactly as I expected. The midfield two... It, it was just that front four. Like, I thought definitely a definitely Welbeck, definitely Mikatarian. And then after that, I thought, you know, maybe one of Urzil, um, a or Lacazette would play.
1: I was a little more shocked, as you might have seen from my back channel <laughs> reaction. I guess, I, you know, I said earlier, the way we suffered with injuries under Arsene Wenger and fitness concerns, I, I still have, I guess, a little bit of PTSD over that. And maybe I'm overly cautious. I guess the problem is now, though, as we look ahead to the weekend, um, it, it points to us just going back to what maybe hasn't looked like it's worked. I mean, Ganduzi and Shaka in midfield, Ozil right, Ramsey 10, Aubameyang left, and Lacazette up front. Based on the substitution patterns tonight in the lineup, I mean, do you see it going back to that, and how do you feel about it?
4: Yeah, quite possibly, I do. I So... The fact that he took Torreira off early gives me because I I thought Torreira will start tonight, but he won't start against Everton. The fact that he took him off early tonight gives me a little bit of pause for thought on that. The fact that he was took there Bamian a worry of a knock early, though,
1: an injury or, or no? I,
4: I I could be wrong. Mm, about I, that. I I don't not that I saw. Um, okay. And and the fact that he took Abamyang off definitely says to me that he's going to play on Sunday. The fact that he didn't even put Lacazette on, yeah, that says to me he's you know that Ramsey wasn't in the squad so. I think we can take it from that that all of those players are going to play. And, yeah, I I, I don't really know how I feel about it, because I think you're right. It hasn't really been working. But I I think what Emery is trying to do is he's trying to delay making a big decision on a big player because he doesn't really know what he wants his team to be yet, and he doesn't want to isolate or... um, alienate anyone until he's absolutely sure that that's the person he doesn't want. He's already had a bit of a run in with Ozil. You know, he's already, you know, he he spoke about Ramsey, didn't he, in the opening weeks of the season said, I think he needs to concentrate less on his contract. So there's, there's these frictions there. And I think he understands well I think that one of those guys is probably going to have to go, um, and let's face it, it's probably going to be Ramsey because his contract's up anyway. Yeah. But I, I think he, I think he's delaying until he has an idea of what he's got and what he wants. I think he's delaying pulling the trigger um, on one of those guys. So he, even with Ramsey going, I still think one of one more of those attackers might go. I wouldn't be that surprised, and I think while a he doesn't know exactly who that is and b he doesn't have the players he actually wants so maybe next summer he can say to one of the attackers do you know what not working i'm going to sell you and i'm going to buy someone that is going to work but obviously he can't do that now so i i feel like there's this kind of halfway house developed because you know if, if he say if he drops ozil now for three games and then all of and then decides that no, actually this team really needs Ozil and now it's a Bamiyang I don't want, you know, then you just piss everyone off. So I I think he's got, we've seen it with the goalkeeper as well. Like he's got a lot of these little kind of political situations that he's got to figure out. And uh, I wrote about this a few weeks ago. I I think that's his biggest challenge. Um, I really do.
1: Well, it's nothing compared to what he came from at PSG. I would say that the... Real issue for me is Mkhitaryan, and based on the fact that he played... Was he on all 90 this match, right? He played the full uh, match. Yes, Yeah, yes, I mean, yes. he's certainly not going to start the weekend. For me, he's the missing link. He, mm. he adds a directness, um, the ability to play in that half space, as you alluded to, but also drift inside. He seems to re- recover from losing the ball well. He's energetic with the press. Mm. Um, I just... I think his energy, his directness, and his ability to be effective in those wide spaces and bring Hector Bellerin into the game is really important. So mm. I, I will be dismayed. Yeah, go ahead.
4: And, and he gives us an actual right side. Yeah.
1: We, 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 we have no right side when Mesut Ozil is in there. Yeah. We saw that uh, at the weekend in the first half against Newcastle. So yeah. it, it'll be a shame, I, I think. And look, this is the challenge, right? No one can argue that Ramsey, Ozil, Aubameyang, Lacazette is our most talented front four. It's just not our most coherent and effective front four. Yeah. And and that's really a challenge that the, the coach has to, not manager, coach, has to work <laughs> out. So just briefly before we wrap up, because it's pushing midnight or after midnight now, your time, uh, good morning.
4: <laughs>
1: do you have a prediction for the lineup on the weekend uh, at the weekend and what do you expect result-wise?
4: So uh, I I think it will be fairly conservative. So I think you'll see check back, you'll see Mustafi back, you'll see Bellerin back um I think the interesting thing is what he does so yeah I think you'll see Laksa up front Aubameyang left Ozil Ramsey and so then it comes down to the two in midfield well one of them's going to be Xhaka because he wasn't in the squad tonight I I think Torreira is going to start hmm, okay. on Sunday actually I I think the fact that you took him off early um indicates that it's it's Finally, time for Torreira. was <laughs> <That laughs> the
1: worst hashtag Arsenal ever came up with. <laughs> yeah.
4: um, re- result wise, result wise, I- I'd still expect us to win. I I think this game will tell us a little bit more about where we actually are because we've had this weird start to the season where we've played two really good teams and then <laughs> two really two three three like really terrible teams. So we we haven't had like I th- I think Everton will be like quite a good litmus test for us at this point It's a team we should beat and you know we beat them 5-0. By the um, way Clive said the exact
1: team. same thing. Literally <laughs> like almost word for word. Um is Richarlison <laughs> still out from that red card?
4: I, I believe so. he is. Yeah, yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, right? yeah. Cuz he's a yeah, player you yeah. can see hurting us, really hurting
1: us. Theo Walcott yeah. another player that I'm not super excited well, to see. Well
4: this is this this is this is where Everton will carry the threat. What what they've done all of a sudden, after last year not having any wide forwards, now they got loads of them. Um, so they've got Walcott, but also uh, Bernard. Um, I'm I'm not sure that he'll start, but Bernard is um is the sort of player that could capitalise on you know he's shown a little bit of weakness down the right when we don't protect Bellerin, and uh, Bernard is is a player who really likes that space. Um, He likes to come inside, but he's comfortable going outside and taking players on. So uh, I'm not convinced he'll start, but he's he's the sort of player that could give us um, give us some problems. Everton don't really have like a convincing center forward, but they have some good wide forwards. And that's kind of an area where where we're a bit suspect. So they did um, just lose
1: to West Ham. So that's encouraging.
4: (laughs) Yeah, 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 precisely. Um, So you have a score prediction? Um, I'm going to say it's going to be 2-0 to Arsenal, but maybe the second goal will be like last knockings.
1: Predicting a clean sheet. Man, that's that's confidence right there. I, I'll tell you, you know, the interesting thing, you talk about Torreira starting, it would be ironic because I thought this performance from Ganduzzi was one of his better ones this season, admittedly against weak opposition, but in the sense that mm. I feel he's been more conservative during the season than he was in the preseason. And yeah. tonight he was very progressive. He was very front-footed. Uh, he had that beautiful pass to Ozil that didn't result in a goal, but he threaded it right into him in the half space the top of the box. So it would be kind of ironic if he rediscovers some of his progressive passing and adventurous play and then winds up losing his spot finally to Torreira. <laughs> but, you know, it is time for Torreira. I tend to agree with that. I'll let you go and get some sleep. Tim's on Twitter. Stoberto, thanks, Tim.
4: My pleasure as always. All
1: right. My name's Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Leave us a five-star review. Support our Patreon. If you don't, we love you anyway. But if you do, uh, hugs and kisses your way. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Arsenal Vision Podcast. Tim's pre-Everton video may appear there Tim is that we have you on the pod yeah oh great okay so we're going to have a a preview video from Tim for the Everton match so you don't want to miss that and uh, we have a professional doing the graphics going forward so they will be better so give it a shot you'll love it Patreon do it in any event we'll talk to you after Arsenal 10 Everton now